0: of Independence, a show in which we're on TV, bro!
1: Hi, my name's Callum. I'm Chelsea. And uh, for our second film of the annual tradition, that is Shark Cage, in which we watch three films and record three podcasts in one day, we watched The Weatherman.
0: The Weatherman.
1: 2005, Gore Verbinski directed Dramedy character study the weatherman
0: okay so the dvd cover which we have here yes says a comedy to brighten your day and yet the image is the most miserable looking nicholas cage i have ever seen and i'll tell you what gave me massively strong about schmidt vibes and i was not disappointed it is very much in that style that about schmidt was which was They market it as a comedy yes, because it's kind of, it's a drama with a very particular style yes, that has elements of comedy and they don't know how to sell it. So they just call it a comedy.
1: Yeah. Uh, One of the quotes on the back from now defunct magazine now (laughs) says bright and breezy with sunny intervals. You see, it's very clever because he is a weatherman. Yes, um, it's
0: not at all bright and breezy though.
1: No. No. I mean I would say I would say you could you could put it you can fold it into a comedy subgenre in that it's it's got dark comedy running throughout. Yeah. Uh particularly sort of the front end of it. But I I wouldn't call it a comedy to brighten your day. No. Or I wouldn't call it bright and breezy. Um,
0: now, before we get yes. too far in, um, a trigger warning. We're probably going to be discussing child grooming at some point. Yes. Which is not a fun thing to talk about. So if you're not cool for listening to that, join us for part three of the Shark Cage. Yes,
1: exactly. And, and if, if whatever, you know, just be aware it might be something that rears its ugly head during this uh, conversation. So, tell us a little bit about the plot of The Weatherman.
0: I haven't written anything down. Do you Um, want me to go? You sound like you've prepared. I
1: haven't prepared, but there isn't really a plot. There is. No, there
0: is, but it's quite slow.
1: It's very minimal. Hmm. It's basically kind of, like I said, it's a character study with a bunch of sort of B-plots going on at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the the main crux of the story is that we are following Nicolas Cage's character, Dave Spritz, a local weatherman in Chicago who's recently broken up with his wife, has a fractured relationship with his father, who is dying, and uh, is struggling to be the right role model for his children. One who is uh, being bullied due to... Personal image issues, yeah. uh, body weight, so on and so forth. And the other one who is being uh, groomed by a counsellor. Yes. And uh, Nicolas Cage's character is focusing in the wrong place.
0: Unknowingly.
1: And, exactly, unknowingly. And that's kind of what's happening throughout the whole of the film. Is It is about Nicolas Cage focusing his energy on the wrong things in life yeah when he is trying fair. to when he should be focusing on one child or both of the children he is focusing on the other one Yeah. when he is, should be focusing on actually fixing a semblance of relationship with his estranged wife he is focusing on a make believe world in which a job fixes that for him straight out of the gate I love this
0: i had a good time
1: i really enjoyed this Mm -hmm. i i went in with kind of lowish expectations um i kind of I'd not really heard a lot about the film i'd seen the dvd cover i think in the back of my head i got both this and the family man sort of mixed up in my head but also i feel like there are a lot of comparisons you can draw between the two films and i think it's possibly my favorite sort of Sub genre of Nicolas Cage movies is dark comedies about him being a shit father. <laughs> I think it's my favorite. I think it's my favorite. That's niche. It's it's I I want to see more Nicolas Cage being a bad dad.
0: He is coming up. He's the right age. Yeah. I'm telling you. I said it a few episodes ago. The golden age is coming. Yeah, I can feel it. <laughs> it's now that he's old enough to be playing constantly playing fathers and people who have got this far in their lives and it's all starting to fall apart yes it's just i can feel it the cage renaissance is coming
1: so i've got very few notes on this i think this is going to become a universal sign of when i've enjoyed a film Mm -hmm. is uh what i'd like to call a no note miracle (laughs) uh where callum makes no no or near to no notes on the film. I was just having a good time.
0: The phrase no notes sends chills down my spine, though, because as a performer, I was told at one point, oh, if I don't give you notes, it's because I'm not watching you. And I was like, yeah. oh, shit. So now constantly I'm like... I want a note, but I don't want a note because
1: then I have to find then my corner. I have to work more yeah
0: <laughs> I have to change what I'm doing
1: but yeah i uh this uh, more recently color out of space I enjoyed mm. so I didn't particularly note it uh, my notes are very minimal um
0: Mine and I'm sure I'll, of... I'm
1: sure I'll bring them up when we get vaguely round to them.
0: Mine are a lot of nonsensical two word phrases that now I'm looking at. And I'm going, what does that mean?
1: But um, already, this shark cage Mm. is a lot more comfortable than the last one.
0: Oh, at this point in the last one, I was ready to throw something out a window. We
1: were genuinely delirious. Two films (laughs) in, like people don't watch two films in their life.
0: And we're the sort of people who have in the past watched three or four films in a day.
1: I think like three or four days ago, we watched like three films in a day. Yeah, we
0: did. Let me... We watched The Silence of the Lambs.
1: Let me have a look, a look. It's not unbelievable for us to sit down and watch three films in a day.
0: Although we don't often record podcasts after those films discussing those films. But if anyone wants to hear our Silence of the Lambs podcast in which Cullen reacts to seeing it for the first time, yeah, we can go back and do that.
1: I mean, but you can't because... I've already seen it.
0: Yeah, but now we're what a week after that's happened, so you have to recall it from your week ago memory.
1: Yeah, I mean, here we go. Here we go. 80 on the 18th of this month.
0: 10 days ago, listeners. We a week watched and a half.
1: Color out of space. Yeah. Die another day. Yeah. Love and Monsters and the Silence of the Lambs. Four we films. We did four
0: in one day. Four and films in one day. We recorded the Color Out of Space podcast that day as well.
1: Yeah. We had an absolute banger of a day. And, um,
0: Hashtag lockdown life, movie after movie. I
1: mean, on the 20th, I watched three films in a row. The Lego Movie 2.
0: What Wolf- was I doing?
1: Wolf Walkers and The Simpsons Movie.
0: Okay, I watched two of those with you after I finished writing.
1: You were working. I was. But anyway, yeah, so I don't know if it was just the a particular perfect storm of shit films last Shark Cage, but I... I'm having a remarkably good time during this one. Do
0: you know what it is? What?
1: It's
0: Nicolas Cage. He's got to us. It's it's a Cage overload. Yeah. Because all three films we watched were at his, like, the height of his narcissistic, I need to pay my bills. Yeah. We... So I'm going to do shitty action movies.
1: Yeah, they, they, were, they were... Oh,
0: no, hang on. We watched G-Force. We watched that G-Force,
1: Ghost Rider, and Drive Angry. Because we had a vehicle theme going on, didn't we?
0: <laughs> a retrospective vehicle theme. Yeah, because
1: we had uh
0: we got to G Force and went, oh shit, one of these things is
1: not, not like the others. But no, G Force they ride around in those little uh yeah, guinea pig balls.
0: Exactly. So
1: ve- vehicular theme. <laughs> anyway, uh there is no theme to the shark cage, as there is really no connection between the runner and the weatherman, except maybe Nicolas Cage is invested in this project again. Yes, yeah, he's having a great time. Yeah, he's really trying and he's doing a great job. Um, yeah, I think his performance is subtle and uh studied while also being big and goofy when it needs to be. He's um, for a character that's quite unlikable. Mm. cage is doing a lot of work at making us like him yeah. which is not a, a thing that cage normally uh is fussed about
0: no he doesn't often succeed in that
1: he's never normally gives gives two shits about whether we like his character or not but in this he's 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 doing a good job at making his character likable in situations where we shouldn't like him really
0: And it's so important that we do like him. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't like him, then we get what we had with The Runner. Yes. The Running Man? The Runner.
1: The Running Man (laughs) is a very different film.
0: (laughs) We get in that situation that we had in The Runner, which is where you don't like or care about the character and therefore you don't care about anything that happens to them.
1: Well, yeah, there's a lot of similarities with, with... the runner and this in that they are like both unlikable characters for vaguely similar reasons Mm. you know we are seen uh that they're both in relationships that don't work that are sort of broke broken or breaking or failing and the reason that we can get behind Nicolas cage is because we see how it gets to that place Mm. we see the the whole arc of that relationship from slightly fractured to breaking down to the, the event that finally broke the camel's back on it. You, we see it all, and we see other facets of the person that don't just feel two-dimensional, that don't just feel like, I'm a good senator <laughs> because I care for other people. Like, he's a, he's a multifaceted character. He's very complicated. Um, And it works because we... Because time is dedicated and spent on doing those things properly.
0: Yeah, and there's no, this is a good man. You should know he's a good man. It's very much grey areas everywhere. Oh, it's left completely up to you. This is a man who's realising he does nothing that he considers valuable in his life. Yes. He works a job that doesn't benefit people. People don't seem to like him. No. Even from his TV persona. And when they do, he doesn't respond well to them.
1: Or he exploits it for sex.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, totally. I mean, like uh, the the the. Towards the end, he comes to this uh, conclusion that he is junk food.
0: Yeah.
1: Basically, he.
0: I've written that people... I'm fast food. Is I'm what he fast says. food.
1: Yeah. People people continue to chuck fast food at him because he is a celebrity. Because he is a local sort of Z-list celebrity, the weatherman. And he comes to the conclusion that the reason people do that is because he is that he is this throwaway, cheap consumable that does the job but doesn't fill you up. And what's great is from the beginning of the film, it was a, I was thinking there is a lot of there's a lot of imagery of fast food.
0: Mm, Arby's. Arby's. He goes into one. There's a McDonald's in the background of a shot, like really prominently. There's
1: there's a few really predominant golden m arches just dotted around the screen there's burger king cups and things littered about and when i was noticing it i was like this is odd it's like Mm. this weird product placement for that that's not every fast food that's for all the competing fast food chains but it's there for a reason it's to sort of put the seed in your mind of thinking about this sort of tacky consumable throwaway culture
0: yeah before we got there he walks into an arby's to try and get change yeah and then maybe a scene later there's a shot of him in a car with the mcdonald's really prominently behind him and i was like oh have they just kind of because that felt kind of product placement even though he didn't go in and i was thinking oh have they have they just done that so it doesn't look like they're favoring arby's because you can't be seen to
1: yeah yeah but no, To promoting
0: it's... one particular brand over others, mm. but it wasn't until later that I was like, "Oh, yeah. clever!"
1: It's it's really it's really clever, and mm. I think that partly comes down to the fact that this. Uh, so this film's directed by Gore Vabinsky. Yes. Now I say that name. Does that mean anything to you? It
0: sounds familiar, but I couldn't define from where. So
1: Gore Vabinsky is a a very very interesting director to me. Okay. Um, you probably probably most well known for the first three pirates of the caribbean movies okay and this was the film that he chose to direct between the first and second pirates of the caribbean movie really so he's come off the biggest hit of his career and he's directed this uh he's also directed um mouse hunt the lee evans uh comedy vehicle about the brothers trying to Catch a mouse in an old house.
0: Oh, do you know what I started thinking about? Rat race. Not rat where race. Where no. Goldberg and Rowan Atkinson are involved in uh I can't even remember. A some rat kind race. of like, yeah, like money. They're a, trying to get money at the end of a yeah, yeah, they've
1: got to travel across America to get money or That's something. It. Um but yeah, no, Mouse Hunt, he most recently done a film called The Cure for Wellness. Uh he did Rango the
0: the lizard thing the
1: animated lizard film
0: wow this is a diverse portfolio
1: he did the lone ranger film for disney um yeah so he's a very there are i think what it is it basically comes down to the films of his that i like i love Mm. the first pirates of the caribbean movie Mm. mouse hunt surprisingly holds a lot of love in my heart okay uh, Rango I seem to think when I watched that I was like this is amazing Like, this has no I, credit Like, to be don't this good I think
0: I finished Rango
1: um, and then the stuff of his that I don't like I really don't particularly like Yeah. that being the first two hours of the Lone Ranger the last half an hour of it the train sequence, great, I love it I love the train <laughs> sequence at the end of the Lone Ranger but um,
0: it feels almost like someone who does big movies for Disney to make money. Mm-hmm. And then goes off to do things they actually enjoy.
1: Yeah, yeah. and um, Not
0: that they don't necessarily enjoy the Disney no. things.
1: But, but... he definitely feels like he's bankrolled his success of I've made a big hit for Disney. Mm. Can you please give me some money to make my little weird, weird, basically unsellable film? Yeah. Bar the fact that you've got Nicolas Cage at kind of the height of his sort of resurgence adaptation was a few years ago um it's match, the point, matchstick men was around this era like
0: it's the point before his hair gets bad again
1: yes exactly this is <laughs> just before like national treasure it's around that kind of era of like ah, this cage guy maybe maybe he's good again <laughs> and then he fucks it all up again yeah um but yeah you can clearly tell that it's it's so hard to say i, I you can just tell that someone gives a shit. Yeah, you can tell that someone gives a shit, and from the stuff that we watch, often that's not the fucking case. Mm-hmm. But this time, it is. It is. Hey.
0: Hurrah. Can we talk about how strange it is to see Michael Caine doing any accent that's not his own?
1: Yeah. Yes. Because he is plays
0: Nicholas Cage's dad he in this does. movie, and therefore is doing an American accent or. An approximation. Yeah, of I feel an like accent. I
1: feel like Michael Caine could have really just done his own accent because yeah. there's a lot of voiceover in this film, um, and there's there's a chunk of voiceover where Nicolas Cage explains what his dad does and stuff. Mm. Could have easily had uh, my father who came from London.
0: You don't even need that. Like, you could have
1: had that if you felt the need to explain it, yeah. but you could have just let him do his own fucking accent. It's uh, it's really jarring. It
0: always, yeah, that's the word. It's very jarring to see Michael Caine not doing his Michael Caine. I am you know? Michael Caine. Yeah, yeah. It's very strange. Uh,
1: what's really strange is hearing Michael Caine describe in his American accent what a camel toe is. Oh, oh I never thought no. i never thought I'd hear that. Him explaining in quite graphic detail yeah. about what causes a camel toe in a pair of trousers.
0: That was very uncomfortable because they're talking about
1: Nicolas Cage's, Nicolas Cage's young daughter twelve
0: year old daughter being bullied. Yeah. For wearing clo trousers that don't necessarily fit as well as she would like.
1: She's a large girl, something that else that is brought up that oh maybe her diet's not great, blah blah blah.
0: But they never address that.
1: Not particularly. He just
0: tries to buy her new clothes.
1: And then um and then, yeah, then later on, Michael Caine says, you know what they call her at school? They call her camel toe. Mm. What's then, that? What's yeah. that? And then Michael Caine proceeds to explain. Um, yeah. It's odd. And in any other film or in most other Nicolas Cage projects, I would go, ugh. Yeah. I re- It fits the tone it it really kind of fits the tone.
0: It fits the tone, but I still did go uh. Oh, yeah. When you put it in the context of they're talking about how Oh,
1: totally, totally. But I feel like it's purposely is there to make us go. Uh. Yeah. I don't like this conversation almost. But it...
0: Yeah, but that doesn't excuse it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's a comment on how we objectify children before they're even Maybe. Adults. That yes. doesn't make sense. They're already children.
1: But um the, uh, this film also has both of the, the the child characters and actors have a lot of tough stuff to deal with. Yeah. So the other child is uh, the son played by Nicholas Holt, who is um in rehab
0: yeah, so he's seeing a counselor um to help him get back on track at school because he had some undisclosed um issue with drugs.
1: Yeah. And that's not explained sort of what no. kind of thing it is.
0: It's already happened. Yeah.
1: He's on the he's on the right sort of track back, I think yeah. is the idea. And his counselor is grooming him. Yes. Um we first meet the councillor. The counselor says, uh, is in the mall, kind of randomly bumps into him. Yeah. And says, oh, I'll buy that jumper for you. I get a discount here. And then we later see them going to the movie theatre together. Mm-hmm. He buys the ticket. And then later on, there is a scene where they are uh, eating dinner in the counselor's flat. And the counsellor says, do you work out? Gets him to take his top off to take sort of before and after photos, but obviously, we know that there's not going to be an after photo, it's yeah, just to get some photos of a kid. Nicholas with his top
0: Holt off. is, um, taking a, a training class at his school gym yeah. to like
1: bulk, to up or-
0: bulk up, just to keep him occupied, I think, is yeah. the main thing. Um, and we already know from the first time we meet Nicholas Holt that he thinks this counselor is cool because he swears in front of him, yeah, like, yeah, treats him. I guess.
1: Look, like, almost I like he, an adult. He he even says I think he does it to get on to pretend to be cool or something yeah. like that. Like he's aware of that.
0: Yeah. Um but as an adult watching it, as soon as you see this man meet him in the mall, you go mm, oh I don't something like is not right here.
1: Yeah. It's um it's really uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's played like the tone of it is really subtle really like there's nothing um beyond just the act of this man being friendly to this kid mm. until obviously the moment at dinner where he makes him sort of, doesn't make him but he encourages him to take his top off for these photos um and it's just very well handled i think yeah in a film that isn't necessarily about that subject. No. It, it just deals with it as a cursory sort of subplot.
0: Yeah, because it's all very much happening without any of the adult's knowledge until things come to a head and, uh, was it throw something through the window of throws the counsellor's It car? throws a brick
1: through or yeah. a stone through the window.
0: And the counsellor, being an adult who counsels and... Cares for the welfare of children with drug offences. So Mm -hmm. children who are not necessarily going to be believed. Yeah. Because they're going to have been already painted with a certain brush. Yes. At 15 years old. Mm. Um, He alleges that the son tried to steal his wallet, whereas the son says that the counsellor tried to come on to him sexually. Yes. Let's say. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess until that point, you can understand how the son might not have seen what was happening. Yeah. It's done in such a way that as an adult looking at it, particularly in the age we live in, you can go, this isn't right, this kid needs to get out of there. Yeah, but if you were... But he's got a shit home life. If you're a
1: 15-year-old boy... Yeah. You might... might Go along with it in the hopes that you're going to, you know, get things that are promised to you.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you've got parents that don't pay that much attention to you and suddenly a counsellor is paying attention to you and they seem friendly and you can talk to them, then you can see how things are going to escalate really quickly. Yeah. And so that kind of expected, unexpected thing Mm. works really well. Yeah. Because you've got the dramatic irony of the audience going, uh, don't, don't do that, get out there. And the kid clearly not knowing what, where that's leading.
1: Yeah. But remember, it's a comedy to brighten your day. <laughs> Bright and breezy with sunny intervals, five stars now magazine. It's... But
0: where I'm going with this yeah. is that it reflects Nicolas Cage's life as well in this film. Yes. Is that everyone around him can see this is not going well. When you're watching, you can see he's about to hit a spiral things are gonna go wrong mm. worse than they are because as you said earlier he's not focusing his energy in the right place yes and the whole film seems to be about everything going down the drain
1: yeah yeah
0: and yet i enjoyed it yeah
1: it's it's really good
0: i don't know how how they've managed to do it because it is bleak but it's not so bleak
1: well the minute I've
0: Feel incredibly sad about it. The,
1: like the bleakest moment is a moment in which uh, Dave Spritz, after realizing his wife is never going to marry him again because she, she is marrying a new man, mm-hmm. returns to his flat um, after having attended his dad's live funeral, a funeral for his father in which his father is still alive. Great idea. Um, he drinks a like a drinks a mini bar, drinks a tiny little you know whiskey or whatever, and looks out of the window. And this is just like the darkest moment. This like oh gosh, where is Dave Spritz gonna go now? And as this happens, he starts seeing a giant SpongeBob SquarePants Macy's Day Macy's Thanksgiving Day balloon pass outside of his flat window, and he starts having a dream about him. And his family in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And it is perfect because it undercuts the tension while still giving the scene this sort of poignancy and strange sort of ethereal feel as well. Yeah, it's great.
0: And he imagines what his family will look like when he gets this amazing job, mm. and they're on the front of the Macy's parade float. This is before he finds out that his wife oh, his is his wife. Oh, is it? Oh, it's a different place? My else. apologies. This is while he's still in New York, interviewing for a place on not Good Morning America, but um, Hello an equivalent, America, something Good like hello, that. Hello America, um, and he's had a really shit time of it in New York, and he's going oh, but it'll be okay if I get this job because we'll be on the front of the Macy's Parade. Yeah. And, like, as you're watching it, you're going, that's never going to happen, man. No. It's just not going to happen.
1: Yeah. It's, um...
0: Again, it's that tension of the audience knowing what's going to happen and the characters just not even seeing it.
1: Yeah. It's just really deft. Yeah. Um... Uh if you want your father to th- think you're not a silly fuck, don't slap a guy across the face with a glove. <laughs> That's the moral I'll come away with from this film. The script's great. And yeah. there's some absolute corkers in there of weird, mainly in the voiceover, which when it kicked in, I I kind of hate when Cage does voiceover. Yeah. He doesn't particularly shine when he's in a booth. He doesn't really work that well.
0: Because if he's not playing an animated character where he's going over the top, it just tends to sound a bit bored. Bored,
1: exactly. And it started off and I went, oh no, cage voiceover. And it does sound a bit monotonous, but actually it kind of comes out the other end feeling quite smooth and calming. Yeah. Um, and it, it really works. They supposedly recorded all of that before filming commenced. Oh wow. And played it live back in the sets or on re- when filming so that cage could react to them
0: oh i like as they if they, they that. are his
1: actual in a monologue and yeah. it really works really yeah. works
0: i have a question for you yes would everything have been different if i'd remembered the tartar sauce
1: the tartar sauce <laughs> you fucking lemon <laughs> uh yeah he forgets the tartar sauce that's a great moment, and I I kind of start. I was about to hate it. He's sent to go to the store to pick up the groceries they've ordered, but don't forget the tartar sauce. They've obviously forgot to add it to the list, so he needs to get tartar sauce.
0: Yeah, it's some kind of like fish and chip shop by the look of it. Yeah, like they're getting a,
1: a, a fast
0: food dinner. Yeah, uh, he's bringing it home, and all the way he's going, don't forget the tartar sauce because his his wife at the time pre divorce, they're clearly.
1: At the end. at breaking point, yeah.
0: and the tartar sauce is the thing that puts them over the edge because she's like, "Can you pick up some tartar sauce?" And he's like, "Oh, whatever." And she's like, "No, you never listen to me. Can you pick it up? That's all I want you to do." And-, and all the way there, he's going tartar sauce, tartar sauce, tartar sauce, tartar sauce, tartar sauce, and then he gets distracted. Yeah, and he goes tartar sauce, and he gets distracted tartar sauce, and eventually he stops saying it, and of course who forgets the tartar sauce
1: because he's looking at a woman's butt
0: because he's looking at a woman's butt and then he's thinking about the novel and that, he's written that and was then... the bit
1: i really liked so i was really worried it was just gonna be because he was looking at a woman's butt yeah and that paints a really sort of just classically simple despi- like description of this character yeah but and he's not that no. He can be distracted by women, but yeah. he can also be distracted by other things going on in his life.
0: Yeah, I and think following this... that, he gets distracted wondering what the man who tried to fly around the world in a balloon Yeah, what
1: happened to the guy who flew around the world in a balloon? Did and then he, then he ever come add... back?
0: And then he should add something like that to his novel.
1: Yeah, and, and I should have some espionage that... in my yeah, novel. Yeah. And then he starts thinking about Neil Young, and then he's like, why am I thinking about Neil Young? Do I mean Neil Diamond? Blah, 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 blah. And then this all makes him forget about tartar sauce. Mm. It's another one of those little bits of um, narration that really works really well. It's, it's funny. It's weird. It's
0: kind of unhinged.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Totally.
0: He's just kind of babbling to himself in his yeah. brain. And that that is not for everybody. But I always have an inner monologue going yeah. on in my brain. Some people just don't have it. Yeah. But it's constantly just like thought, 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 thought. thought, thought. And it's... I always like seeing that actually shown in cinema. Yeah. Yeah. I have a tiny weeny baby pick for a segment I like to call "Help." I am trapped in a glass Nicolas Cage of emotion. Uh huh. Do not roll your eyes at me, Callum. <laughs> okay. That's very rude of you.
1: Okay. Sorry, I was just thinking about what happened to the guy who flew around the world in a hot air balloon. <laughs> Did he ever come back? Uh. Anyway, what's your pick?
0: Um, shortly after the tartar Sauce incident. <laughs> it's an, as the in, it's one, an incident now, guys. It's, it's a flashback incident. Um, Nicholas Cage is getting ready to go to his dad's living funeral, I believe. Yeah. And yet again, he has fast food thrown at him. He has an apple pie thrown at him. Yes. On the street. And he freaks out because he has to see his family. Mm. And it's a restrained Cage freakout. But it is still, I think, a cagey moment in this fairly non-cagey film.
1: Yes, I think...
0: He chases down the man who threw the apple pie at him and smushes it into his face, all the while screaming, I have to see my family!
1: Yeah, it's great. I think the the thing that makes it the most cagey isn't necessarily the audio that you're going to hear. It is... Um the way in which he runs up towards the car holding the McDonald's apple pie. It's
0: very stiff.
1: It is placed flat on a flat palm like a waiter delivering a plate of food. <laughs> and he is running with one arm outstretched with the with the apple pie on top. And he's running down the middle of the street. It's so weird. And it is such an odd little thing. But a film like this allows Nicolas Cage to have those little peppered moments of slight peculiarity and it allows them to shine and not just get lost in the muddiness. I have kids! I have to go see my kids! You put fucking pie shit on my coat. I have to see my kids with pie on me, man! Go see your kids with shit on you! Calm down, man! I have
0: to see my family! Do you want to do some Amazon reviews?
1: Amazon review time.
0: Alrighty, here we go. Now, this has a very similar rating to The Runner. Oh! 3.9
1: dis- out of 5. Disappointed.
0: Where The Runner was 3.8 out of 5. Um, okay. This does have 100 odd reviews though, so... More than 50% more than the runner
1: i wonder how many of the negative reviews are going to be people who are slightly hurt by the fact that the dvd cover slash poster art is selling the film different different different, differently
0: well maybe if you listen you'll find out
1: fucking hell i am on the (laughs) end of it today
0: (laughs) this is the point in the shark cage where i'm getting antsy i know
1: i ain't done nothing and you were right at me
0: Master Z.J. Fowler.
1: Master Z.J.
0: Gives it one star. Yes. A comedy? Really? Yeah. The Weatherman Movie Review. Although I do like Nicolas Cage, this is possibly the worst film I have ever seen. It takes a lot, all one word, I love when people do that. It takes a lot for me to say this, but this is a very bad movie. Why? What do we look for in a comedy? What do we expect from a comedy film? We look for it to be comical, funny and amusing to watch. There was not one single thing I laughed at in the entire movie, except for the fact of how bad it was. (gasps) So it's not funny, what about the plot or story? Honestly, there is not a plot or story. Even the blurb on the back of the DVD pretty much says nothing. Quote, A Chicago weatherman separated from his wife and children... Debates whether professional and personal successes are mutually exclusive. hmm So am I going to watch a one-and-a-half-hour movie about a Chicago man who got separated from his wife? Right, okay. Seriously? What were they thinking? Don't waste your time with this movie. Seriously, there is a very minimal amount of films I rate one star, but this is one of them.
1: Like, I, I, yeah, the film's got a shit description and and, and a bad DVD cover, but... You know, you, you can tell pretty quickly that it's not going for like an out-and-out out comedy vibe. When you stick it in, after about 10 minutes, you know you're not watching Forgetting Sarah Marshall.
0: Yeah, you can tell from the very beginning. So if that's what you're really desperately looking for,
1: it's you would honestly come.
0: probably just turn it off at that point.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: It's very clear.
1: It's 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 one of the hard things when a film like when a film's an out and out drama, you can just sell it as a drama Mm. and say oh, and then put it up for an awards. But when a film's like this and it's got that dramedy vibe or it's a comedy, but it's more it's a drama, sorry, but it's more quirky. You can't. It must be just fucking hard to sell. Mm. So unless it wins an awards, you just kind of have to sell it as a bit of a comedy.
0: Anne Simpson says five stars. Brilliant film, it was very good. Yes. Brilliant film, it was very good. This is one film that all the family can enjoy. Ah! Uh, uh. He is such a soggy weatherman. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone dislikes him. Sounds I'm like, not going to get through like this just one. are she's
1: talking about a dog. <laughs> He's such a soggy weatherman.
0: Oh, you're oh, look such at a you. soggy weatherman. Oh, you're such a little Ooh. soggy
1: weatherman.
0: Mm. <laughs> He's such a
1: Sorry, I apologise.
0: Yeah, serious faces. now. <laughs>
1: uh.
0: He is such a soggy
1: weatherman. I'll try, I'll try. That's it. Okay. Is this one in the middle?
0: The top one. Okay. <laughs>
1: Brilliant film. It was very good. This is one film that all the family can enjoy. He is such a soggy weatherman. Everyone dislikes him. People make fun of him and throw food at him. But you have to feel sorry for him. Even his ex-wife finds him a bore. Then, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, he gets offered a job in New York. And almost overnight, he finds the strength and courage. And finally, I won't say any more, To find out by the film. She describes the whole plot. The end of the film. She describes everything.
0: No, no, no. Anne Simpson won't say any more. But the... the, To find out by the film.
1: But the end of the film is that he gets offered the job. Yeah. And then she's like, what is she saying? And then the credits. To find (laughs) out what they're like. By the film. (laughs) Love it. What a weird, disjointed review. He is such a soggy weatherman.
0: And that's all for Amazon Reviews.
1: And I think that's all for this episode, really. Uh, I had a great time watching this. Yeah. Uh, I could heartily recommend it. It's not sadly available at the moment, as far as I'm aware, on any of the streaming services. So w- you can probably pick up a DVD at or DVD places.
0: rent it somewhere.
1: Pay money for it, man. Yeah. You get all this shit for free.
0: Support the film in. You get loads
1: of things for three. You're watching all that Bridgerton for cheap. (laughs) Okay? Pay some money for something. Um we are off to watch our third and final film of the Shark Cage, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance.
0: No the
1: sequel to last Shark Cage film, Ghost Rider.
0: Be kind to each other. Don't walk around Times Square with a bow and arrow for some reason. Oh
1: my gosh, we didn't even talk about the fact that there's a very big archery subplot in this film. Um,
0: Avoid giant terrifying Spongebob balloons.
1: Try not to get hit by a chocolate frosty. Yes, indeed. See you soon.
0: Bye! Bye. Thank you for listening to our silly little podcast. If you've enjoyed yourself, the best thing you could do for us would be to leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts because that helps other people find the show. If you'd like to help us out a little bit more, you can find us on all the usual social medias at Nick Cage Pod. that's at N-I-C-C-A-G-E-P-O-D. I'm talking Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that fun stuff. And if that's still not enough, or if you've got a spare couple of quid burning a hole in your pocket, you can buy us a virtual coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash nickcagepod. After all, we need to pay for these ridiculous movies somehow.